You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning WA. My name's Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours with the World Football Programme. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. I'm um, good to see the boys in this morning and looking so well. Um, I always like listening to them on the way in. Jazz Show will be with us in two hours and joining me for the, that time is my new bestie in your best. <laughs> well done. Morning Sean, morning listeners. Yeah, good day, mate. Look, lovely day out there. You know, it's uh, the sun is shining, the birds are singing. I, I feel like going out there, refereeing a few games, coming home and playing some Scrabble. That's Sat- Saturdays always bring out the best in me. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a war man. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, um, yeah, got a big show on today. We're going to have a myself and Hugh. are going to have a bit of a ramble about the world football. It seems as world football program. It seems highly appropriate that we do so. Yep. And then we're going to follow that up with Tony Pinard from the Glory. A lot going on with the Glory preseason, ACL coming up, and a few questions about memberships and how the season's going to look for the boys this year um, and then we're going to talk to Dan Evans now for those of you who don't know Dan's just been appointed the coach at Swan United he spent I think the last three maybe four years in the States coaching um, he's a good lad all round, but um, be really interesting, particularly with all the US elections going on to get his take on Boy, the yeah. US uh, I think he was out in Minnesota way so He'll have some some stories, I'm yeah, sure. It'd be interesting to see the, the differences he would have noticed between the two the two systems. I mean, obviously, um, they've got the same thought process that the world game is not the game in in the states, as same as it is here. Well, it's not even the second, third, or fourth. You know, I mean, you, <laughs> no. you've, you've got American football, baseball. Basketball, uh, basketball, and lacrosse. Then, yeah, and then maybe football. But look. 
as an emerging nation, I think yeah, they they did certainly in the women's game get it right. The men a little bit different, but we'll talk to Dan about what's yeah, yeah. going on and, and what it's been like to to live the dream, even though he's out to do it overseas. Because obviously, anyone who who loves football wants to get paid to be in, in football. Oh, without a doubt. And, and look, the boys certainly done that. And then we'll finish off with Adam Nankin, who is from a company called Inclusion Solutions, um, and we'll be promoting the Bunbury Inclusive Carnival, which is going to be held on the sixth of December down in Bunbury. Um, and that's they're going to hold the Cantoni Cup down there. Um, so, so yeah, a lot more around inclusion, and we'll talk to him generally about how clubs can be more involved and inclusive. Yeah, and it's a, a huge thing in in any sport and any uh, any form of of life uh, mm-hmm. to to well, be society. inclusive. society, I mean, ev- everybody exactly right. has got to be inclusive. You know, all yeah. the companies around um, WA being encouraged to be so and across the country, not quite so in other countries. And we'll talk about a little bit about <laughs> that later on. So um, we'll see. Um, in local news, um, Goran Stadjic to Rocky. I think that's a wonderful appointment. Huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Now, since he was he was at Balcastra and obviously um, that journey ended, he's, he's been sitting out and waiting for the right job to come along. Yep. Um, Rocky's a big club. I mean, that, that facility down there deserves to be Premier League. And uh, with, with Goran on board, I'm sure that's exactly the aim that uh, he and the club are looking at. And, and a great developer of players. Oh, that's the thing. Doubt. You, know, yeah, he can, yeah. you only he, have to look at uh, Balcastra and see the players that, that came through that system. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, he, it's, he said it's a great facility. Great bunch of people, Brian Kennedy and those boys down there yep. all do the right thing. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, with Goran there, they're, they're looking a bit more hopeful than they were the last couple of years. Yeah, it, it's, there's been some bleak days down there and, um, you know, they've, they've battled through them and, uh, you know, have always seen the silver lining rather than the, than the dark rain clouds. Absolutely. Um, now, with... Um, Division One. There's been obviously some moves there. We mentioned already that Dan Evans is is going to Swan. Um, there's been a bit of a change with Ian Ferguson, former Glory coach, mm. been at Quinns for the last few years. Had them. Um, we had a motoring without a doubt. Oh, absolutely! They won. They won Divi Two. They come up Divi One. They, their first season in Divi One, they certainly held their own. Um, and he's made the sh- the shift over to Sterling. So that'll be interesting because yeah. I think Sterling started the season pretty poorly <laughs> and then fin- finished the season with a rush. Um, and I think that. Probably Quinns were the other way round, but yeah. And, um, and again, with, with with the situation that we had for, for the 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 interrupted season, was that down to that? I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, look, there's there's lots of things. I I, I still think you know we had that season. Everyone knew what was going to go yeah. on, and you had the the first round, and then you you had the, the 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 split, and the two divisions played off zero points. So I still think that we. The only mistake we made in that is that you didn't keep your points from the first round. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a debating point for for time. Um, yeah, but, but you've, you've got to make a decision, and uh, and that, well, that, it, that that was football West decision. Particularly in the NPL, though, it would it made it made a big difference in the NPL. It yep. would have made a difference in Divi One. It would have made it, no difference at all in the second division. No, no Caramar Shamrock still yeah. did win. Uh, convincingly, but you know, if you'd have held on those points, there was some benefit to playing well in the first few rounds. Yes, yeah, yeah, Perth exactly. Yeah, would have, 
yeah. would have, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, I mean, again, you, you can't criticise Football West's decision. I know, look, the was made. And I know you're not, yeah. but, um, yeah. 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 Which, which way do you lie? Yeah. 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 Well, I suppose we take, you, take the points. Go, yeah. go back through the COVID and the yeah. the season went from being played for the first week in the in the NPL to just being crushed. Yeah. Then it was out for, what, a month, six weeks or more, and then very quickly, within three weeks, we had to get a season That's up right. and running. Yeah. Um, yeah, criticise Football West all you like, but they made the decision, they stuck to it, the timelines were compressed, and we had a rule and everyone played to it, and, and the season's done now. But I'm just thinking from, from a learning and an improvement process, I just would have liked to have seen clubs keep the points that they had. <sighs> Well, it rewards a, yeah. a pre-season and the night series that was that was there to, yeah. to go. We, we, we're planning. Uh, we're, we're coming up with a new game style. We've got players coming into form. We've got some points now. Oops, they've disappeared. Yeah. Uh, okay, but that's that's the cookie crumbling. So, of course, they, with uh, Ian Ferguson going over from uh, Quinns to Sterling, that left a big hole at, uh, at Quinns, which Glenn Cross State's step, stepping up into. Wow, Okay. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's a it's a logical step, but um, yeah, it's a it's not one. Yeah, no. Look, I, I think again, best then, of luck to him. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just how many players he'll have left now, because well, I imagine there'll be a bit of an exodus from Quinns to Sterling. Well, yes, Fergie has a has a reputation of of loyalty with with players and and players loyalty to Fergie. Most coaches do. That's true. Uh, you That's know, true and, enough. and when you've got the Lone Ranger on that and one, and when you've got charismatic coaches like Normo and that, people tend yeah. to follow them, and and you know, it's it's almost like a cult following. Oh, exactly right. Yeah. You, you know what you're getting, so off you go to 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 where you you're most happiest. Absolutely. Um, and then Dianella. Um, obviously, we've got uh, Bobby Despotoski has become the director of football there yep. and he stepped away from being the coach. So he's brought in Stu Moses, who was Coyne's assistant yep. at um, Basie. Basie, yeah, yeah. Um, very good coach. Uh, and then <laughs> better than that, I would have thought. But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I think they, they've got big ambitions when you look oh, at who, who they've signed. You know, um, Bobby Wilson and David Hegney. Now, uh, Bobby Wilson, terrific player, very oh, experienced, yeah. and you know, for them, it sends it sends a message out. Um, David Hegney, whilst the name is there and and has a presence, um, David had a year off. He'd had some terrible injuries and, yeah. you know, he just yeah, needed... Yeah, it was good to see him back. I didn't think he was coming back. Well, it was a good decision. Take a year off, get oh, your yeah. body right, and, and if you're going to take a year off, that was the year to take off. <laughs> As it turned out, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that that's good for him. And I think, you know, Bobby's certainly sending out a message and Dianella is sending out a message. Yeah. I don't think they're satisfied staying in two. You know, the, the, the sleeping giant f- uh, term is used uh, very often these days, but... Dianella have been that sleeping giant for some uh, some seasons now. <laughs> and then I suppose when you when you go through this, there, there has been a theme throughout, which is that the um, the glory influence throughout this is yeah. is strong. You know, you look at the the gold medal winners, um, Katarina Jukic, um, Dean Evans, and Young Collie. All through the system. All come through the system. Yep. You know, Dean was in the glory system and, and has fallen out and come back and made the, the state league better for what it is. And this year he's, he's not got red cards, so that's really helped. His pro- <laughs> well, it wouldn't be because some uh, referee is not refereeing anymore, would it? <laughs> he's <laughs> never, but he's consistently been no, in, he's in, a great player. in the he's top a great player. for the last three years. Yeah. And this is a well-deserved for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but great to see a young player 
from Perth Glory, as, mm. as in Collie, coming through because he's, you know, was he 20, 21? Well, you got me on that one. He's, yeah. yeah. Well, but no, but he's young. I mean, he's not. He, he, looks, he looks younger than he actually is, I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. But he's still, look, and, and to be the gold medal. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's that's a, exactly what the glory right. should be doing. Yeah. And so with uh, Tony coming on, we could probably ask him because there, there was that um, suggestion that NPL players are going to be going to the to Dubai for the – Dubai? It is Dubai for the uh, – Doha. Doha. Oh, I got it wrong again. <laughs> uh, for the ACL. So uh, let's hope he's in that squad as well. Yeah, look, and I think we – Doha, gee whiz. Yeah, the, the way that the, the glory youth are going and obviously um, – with the, the new coaching philosophy, I think that's going to be where we go. And yeah. it's, that's not a bad option. I don't think so. Anyway, these guys need to be tested at the next oh, level. Sure. Um, and if they don't make it, they come back into the NPL, better players. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you, you play it to, uh, at the highest level at, at club football, which the ACL is, and, and then come back and play NPL. You, you, it, it's going to show. It now, we, to. we've got our players flying out next Saturday to the ACL. Yeah. Um, so what's that, the 14th? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think they've uh, – now, is their first game the 25th? So it gives it that uh, two weeks. I think I think they only have four or five days. Is it, oh, is it the 18th? Have I yeah. got that? I'm going to have a look where I wrote that down. I don't think I've got that down here. But I also yeah. saw that um, – the update from James Johnson for the FFA and they've announced a couple of games to the under-23s, which if all of those teams that are flying out, um, Sydney, Melbourne and Perth, yep. are involved, players like D'Agostino will not be in the under-23s when they play the Sydney squad in a friendly. No, they can't, No, obviously he can't be. I mean, he's no. going to be in the full squad, obviously. So um, yeah. it's, it's not going to be – I don't know. I think the under-23s team that they're, they're playing will be a little under strength because <laughs> – all three sides yeah. carry players that would be playing within that. Um, and they're playing Sydney and then uh, in a reduced stadium. And then they're going to play MacArthur in or behind closed doors. Which, yeah. uh, and you but, think that MacArthur would be putting a, pretty close to their full strength uh, under-23s team in there just, just to see who's available to, to make that step up into the, uh, into the first team I think it's a, it's a great thing that they're playing quality opposition for both of them. Yeah. Um, to, as a pre-season, I just find it, you know, it doesn't help with the, F, the Sydney being called FFA United because they're, they're playing in front of a crowd, whereas MacArthur aren't. And no. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah. COVID's messed things up oh, pretty badly. Around the world. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and now we're, if we're saying COVID, we go to the UK. The UK went into full lockdown. Again. Yeah. And, and you know, our hearts go out to, to, to the UK and, and, and the world in particular, but... Um, you know that that's going to be absolutely tough for the EPL to to continue. I mean, as we discussed off air, if if you get some of these outbreaks that we've seen in in well in the the NFL, for example, the American sports, where you know whole teams have been cancelling practice because of uh, infections. So you know the EPL. It's not an isolated case. Well, it's not, and and West Ham had David Moyes and um, well, that's right, yeah, a couple of players out early on. Yep. They're they're back now, but um, you know, if you have a player who is positive to COVID who plays against the opposition, and you, I mean, we've got a big game coming up on Monday night with City versus Liverpool. Yep. Imagine if if one player or official within that lot had COVID and they've all got to isolate. A massive impact on yeah, the league. Yeah, and with the, uh, with the Nations League coming up next week, I mean, the, the, the potential for that to occur is just massive. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I worry for the game because, um, you know, we, we talked off air about the subscription service, which was there to <laughs> offset yeah. the costs. Yeah, and those uh, listeners out there that know, I'm a, I'm a West Brom fan, and the pay-per-view, which was hoped by the um, by the EPL to to offset the the lack of ad- admission and paying customers, you know, less than a thousand pay-per-view customers watched that uh, super game of Fulham versus West Bromwich Albion. Um, so, which to th- be fair, is probably more than they would have got in through the gate. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's whack. Come on now. <laughs> it wasn't Craven Cottage. They've just done it up. <laughs> so, yeah, the EPL, have, have, in their wisdom, are, are going to be um, readdressing that, that thought process where the, the pay-per-view is no longer going to be utilised as, uh, as that default uh, admission fee. Absolutely. And look, the, the game in general, the... The, in Britain, it's, it's massive. It's a religion, and you know, to have that um, decimated is going to cause more and more problems. There's a lot of money tied up in the EPL. Then there's the the European Champions League, yep. which will get caught up in that. And all of those countries that are involved all have some degree of COVID. Um, I think we're we're going to be messed up for another year or two. Oh yeah, and and you know, just to, to to go down the financial path of things. I mean, you know, Liverpool. For you know, at a at a guesstimate, are losing between three and five million pounds per closed door game, and mm. and Klopp was saying uh, earlier on that that was the the main reason why they were unable to secure Timo Werner because mm. they they were so um, so perilous with their with their financial position, which for a club the size of Liverpool is is just staggering to think. Hang on a minute, we we, we can't yeah, go but- for a for a. Re- a striker of that ability, well, not that probably Liverpool. But the numbers are astronomical. You look at Meza Ozil, who's <sighs> languishing in in the yeah. reserves for, yeah. for Arsenal on five hundred and thirty. Yeah, thousand a week. He, I mean, I'd, I'd I'd play Rezies for that. Yeah, well, I'd probably take the uh, the Mark Bosnich uh, situation and do. You know, I'll sit in the grandstand and have a good seat. But uh, yep. Mezit's been a, a bit of a whipping boy um, or poster boy, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, at, at what's not right in the game. But um, he signed the contract that was offered to him. Yeah. Um, and they were – Arsenal were hoping that the goalposts wouldn't move. Well, yeah. they, they've moved so far – off the pitch. I still think it's going to come back and bite Arteta at some stage, though. I mean, the the, the man's still quality, and and put him amongst. And people yeah. say he's a luxury, yeah. but he's not. No. He's he's a quality player, World Cup winner. Yep. And I think you know, if he was to be snatched up by somebody who had some players that could learn from him, a West Brom, <laughs> we couldn't afford him. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. the, the, exactly what you're saying, Sean. If you've got a player on, on the the wages of that size. You, you, you just have to play him, you, regardless of whether there's an ego. I mean, how, how do you get him into the shop window if he's sitting in the grandstand? He, he, he's not. I mean, well, he's yeah. just playing on his reputation. But I do see that he's also signed up with an American investment bank and is probably looking now towards his future. And uh, Off to Red Bull, New York, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. He's looking as being an investment banker, I think. But, yeah, look, it's just he's the way it goes. Yeah. Some, some terrific games coming up today. I think your West Brom are playing Spurs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was listening to a, a podcast on the way in and um, – 
first goal scorer and probably the fifth goal scorer as well. They've got Harry Kane there. So it's good to see Harry, 200 goals in 300 games. I mean, yeah. um, phenomenal record. You've got the Bobby Moore shirt on. So he, yeah. he, they were saying that he's actually evoked the spirit of 66 because yeah. if you do your maths out there, 200 goals, 300 games, that is 66%. <laughs> you couldn't get more English than that. No, you couldn't. Well, other than missing a penalty, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only hope he does that on uh, yeah, missing a penalty against the Germans. You don't get any more brilliant, brilliant than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a shootout. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned West Ham. We're playing Fulham. Um, obviously, the great Bobby Moore pl- was a great player. Um, played for both clubs, yeah, yeah. and um, there is in the or around the game. There's the Bobby Moore Foundation, which uh, is a a cancer foundation and both clubs are supporting that. And I think that's fantastic that, you know, I think I used the word frenemies, um, you know, yeah, there's a lot of rivalry between the London clubs, but there's also a lot of camaraderie as well. Yep. And I think, you know, particularly when you look at DT38 and the Bobby Moore Foundation, they're, they're all geared around men's health. And Yep, yep. the Jeff Astle Foundation for yep. for the Albion, exactly the same thing. It was slightly different, it wasn't uh, cancer, but yeah. No. Uh, when it comes to, to these sorts of issues, you'll find that the football community uh, are one of the first to put their hand up and go, let's get on it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's the, in memory of a great man who played for, for both sides, I think it's, it's fan, a fantastic tribute yep. to, to him. And I think, you know, that's that's what we need to be doing. I think, you know, I've used this phrase a lot that we're, we're enemies for 180 minutes a year and, and friends for the rest of it. And that's yep. how it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, they, they do it as well as anybody else. Um, and then we've got uh, Man United are playing Everton. Yeah. Now, those that uh, have been listening for the last couple of weeks know that I've got Everton uh, as the uh, the big improvers of the season. I've, I've actually had them picked to finish top four. Yeah. Uh, they've gone slightly um, off the rails in the last couple of weeks, but that uh, that could have a lot more to do with the with the depth of squad rather than their their actual squad ability. Yeah, know, look, Carlos Rodriguez out. I mean, you know, any any side that that has a player of that ability not playing, it's going to be missed. I'd love to have Derek Pollock on the phone now because um, you know, <laughs> he's been he's been punting that Solskjaer will be the first coach sacked um, after Istanbul in the yep. Champions League. Yep. They they went down two one. They they were very very fragile. Well, the the rumor mills have got Pochettino talking to a big European club with an in- imminent chance of taking over. It's, I'm thinking big European club. Mm, don't think it's Bayern Munich. Pretty sure it won't be Barcelona. Could it be an English club? And and Pochettino, who's who's kind of been the the invisible man since leaving <laughs> Tottenham, has yeah. has all of a sudden started appearing on European media. Well, they had that clause that he wasn't allowed to um, to go back into management, or if he did, he would have to uh, forfeit a fair amount of coin. Yeah, and I think that uh, that clause has now lapsed. And it he's has. A, he's yes. available to uh, to earn a fair amount of coin again. Absolutely, he is. But it's just interesting that he's now putting his face out there. I think this game for um, for Solskjaer it, it, is pivotal. It could be taken over Burnley. I hear Dyche is in trouble with them uh, not doing quite as well as they should be. I could see Pochettino going, yeah, you know what, I'd love to be there. <laughs> <laughs> New owners, you know, that have big ambitions. Yeah, but I think Manchester United very, very is headed. Um, and I think that this result tonight would be massive. Oh, they lose to Everton. It's difficult to see. Ole, as as 
much as we all love him, it's difficult to see him survive that. I, would they sack him or would they just move him sideways? Oh, I think it's a sacking. Ooh. Yeah, I think he, that, that's it. He's, he's been done. He's been given too many chances. Um, and I'd say that if he doesn't produce against Everton, that will be his last game. Wow. That's my call anyway. Well, they have turned into a, an organisation rather than a club, which, you know. Oh, look, we, we were talking, I was talking earlier on um, in the week to someone about the the um, appointment of um, Naven to Bayswater. Yep. And one of the, the coaches who since has picked up a job at Rockingham, Stagic. Because Stagic is local to that area, I would have thought, you know, good good coach, good development coach. Yep. Um, Maybe they would or wouldn't ring him, and they said, "No, Basie, you've got to have a name." And I think it's the same yeah, with Manchester true. United. Oh, Man, Man United must have a name. It's not just about being a good coach. You need to be a, a name, a household name, yeah, because it's all about the branding. Well, that's right, and and you know, Sir Alex has has left that uh, that legacy for for others to to you know follow, but. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't even a big pair of shoes to fill. No. It was a Grand Canyon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, huge. And no one, no one's done it. No, no. And and oh, again, I, I not po- even the special one. No, no. But yeah, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes oh, that, of that that we won't know about. But yeah, the special one. Yeah, well, he's not uh, called the special one because he does it the easy way. No, but there was a lot of, uh, as you said, a lot of background shenanigans going yep. on, and and I think the the class of um, ninety six, whatever it is, the ninety two, yeah, that one, yeah. That, that was that that was at work in the background. I'm sure of it. They were oh, all growing yeah. up under Fergie. Um, Surely they should have just kept their fingers in the Salford pie. Yeah, that's works out for him as well, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you could always go to Inter Miami, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, there's always something going on. Um, Asian, oh, sorry, the European Champions League, um, Chelsea did all right. Yep. Um, Arsenal in the Europa Cup did okay. Uh, yes. yep. Good to see Joe Willock scoring again, put my West Brom hat on. He couldn't even get into the uh, into the match day squad when he was on loan with us, and there yep. he is, banging in goals in the Champions League. What's going on there? Yeah, I think... Um, the the whole thing would be um, a shame if if it all goes crumbling down because of COVID. And I think you know, the, the, we talk about the 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 game in Britain being COVID um, fragile. Yeah. The the European game when you look what happened in Spain in the first outbreak. Yeah. And Italy. Well, um, with the Juventus uh, Napoli game just just being called off. It's like yeah. You know, the, the potential, like I said earlier on, the potential for for just one of the, um, to to contract the the, the disease, it, it it's has you know the the whole pyramid will fall. Yeah, absolutely. And I think again, we, we're talking about the money that's tied up, and what do we do with it all? You know, yep. it, it's it's shocking. Well, that's right. COVID, the shadow of COVID will be around for two or three years, I reckon. Yep. Well, I've uh, got a quote here that says the EPL has changed irrevocably and uh, for a period of time with the disruption caused through COVID and uh, the introspection of clubs will force changes that will go on for decades. Yeah. And whether that's um, cheaper admission prices because, you know, we've seen the, the virtual fans and how 
that's been accepted or not accepted by by those and 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 the significance of of actual fans that yeah. that you know it, it cannot the, be underestimated that that Southampton could go top tonight yeah would they have done that in any other season no exactly and i think you know when you're looking at the the money that's involved, the, the lack of income for these clubs, yeah. maybe, and the obscene wages that, that players have been able to get and those massive transfer fees. Yep. Um, look, I, I don't know. The footballer's life is a very short one. True I enough. Just, I just don't know if those mega million um, deals are value. Um, Do you for, see the EPL going the same um uh, salary cap model is the EFL? I think the world has to. I think uh, worldwide we probably need to look at rationalising what we're doing. That £530,000 or whatever it is for Meza Ozil to call his heels on the bench is just <laughs> obscene money. Yeah. And, you know, there are clubs in the second and third division who would be able to survive for the next two years on, on one week's wages. Oh, exactly. So there needs to be a rationalisation across the board. Um then again, you've got the Australian market where there is no transfer fees, and that we need to introduce it. So the, again, and there needs to the be changes some, that, that'll go for the decades. Balance, that, that, but it needs to be, yeah. I think we need to to even things out, and yeah. we need to um, yeah, rationalise the whole process. It's just just gone crazy. And yeah, you know, the player agents um, are oh, polite. Um, don't even start my yeah. lies. Uh, lots and lots to talk about. We're going to have a quick break and we'll be back after this with Tony Pinata from Glory and uh, lots to talk yeah. with him about with the Glory and COVID, of course. So we're back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotaryan. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Please don't fence me in West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And we're back in the room. Um, we were talking earlier on about the um, the gold medal awards and um, how the, the glory influence on the gold medals has really been prominent. Um, Dean Male Evans, and female. Dean Evans, former glory player. Yep. Um, Giordano Colley, who is a current Perth Glory player, yep. and Katerina Yukik. Um, and, you know, coaches, players who are now become coaches in, in the NPL and other divisions, um, you know, the influence and shadow across the, 
the West Australian landscape is uh, massive and the contribution and the glory to our local football scene is, is fantastic. And one of the men responsible for it is joining us now in Tony Pinata on the phone. Tony, good morning. How are you? Uh, very well. Thank you for having me. No, no, thank you very much for coming on. Um, across this country and across this state, you know, COVID's had a massive effect on people and probably not on so much as you. You've, you've had um, your own experience of COVID? Uh, yeah, look, it's been a difficult time, um, you know, for everyone, I suppose, whether you're, you know, any sport in um, code or any business or anything like that. So we've all been impacted. Um, and it's been now, you know, initially when it was in, in March, we thought oh, I would last, you know, maybe June, July. And, um, but yeah, it's kept on going. And uh, even though uh, here in WA, uh, things are good, um, you know, you've seen what's happened over over reef. But uh, look, the beauty about it is Australia is, is way ahead of the rest of the world. And uh, you know we're we're going to be opening up, and you know we're going to have our W League season uh, start, and our A League season, and fingers crossed we can um, you know complete a uh, a season with uh, with fans. Yeah, and look, particularly when you've got uh, family and friends that uh, live in those states, you you worry about them. I've got a a colleague at work who hasn't been with his family, wife and children because they're they're Queensland-based since March, and it's just horrendous. Well, look, I'm in the same boat. I've got my wife and children in Melbourne, um, and to be honest, I've uh, I've managed to get across here now after having seen them for nearly six months um, since, uh, you know, McGowan government allowed us to travel and then, okay, I've got to come back and quarantine, but I can do it at home, not in a hotel. So I thought I'd go and see my uh, my family, who I, all I saw them was on FaceTime. So, look, it is difficult. Um, and there's, there's a lot of people in, in my situation, as, as you know, and a lot of FIFO workers in, yep. in Perth that can't travel and see their family. So hopefully things are opening. You know, today uh, in Victoria they've had another zero... Uh, you know, another donut, as they like to call yeah, it. Yeah. Um, uh, we're opening borders to Queensland and to South Australia, and hopefully soon, um, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, and people can can travel and see their loved ones. Because ultimately, you know, economically, yes, but the you know the emotional toll on a lot of people. Uh, has been very, very difficult. Oh, exactly. Uh, look, I know what you've been through with that. It's it's really struggle, and it, we only do what we do to provide for our families. And you know, that just that added degree of difficulty makes it so much harder. Um, looking at the glory, though, um, we were talking about an A League. We've got the ACL coming up. We've got the boys flying out next week. Um, I've had a couple. Hopefully. I've had a couple of emails myself. Well, the, the options, and we'll talk about the options for not going. Um, but the a couple of emails myself from the about the memberships and lots of changes there. So, um, if we go through that first, the the HBF Stadium, we're looking at fifty percent capacity, roughly. Yeah, unfortunately, at the moment um, we're still in stage four in WA. Um, the government hasn't gone to stage five where it opens it all up. So, you know, we're, we're going to have a reduced capacity in our reserved seats yeah. um, section. For example, platinum, we normally have 590 platinum seats available. Now it's only 290. So, you know, it's, it's very hard to, you know, because different seats, I think they take out every second row. So um, people that have a, 
you know, for example, seat in row two can't use that. But what we're trying to say, so first in, best dressed, we'll get an allocation and then we'll allocate seats accordingly. Now, we're hopeful maybe by the time the season kicks off and we get our first home game um, that, uh, you know, we go to stage five. But for now, we have to sell accordingly. And uh, that's the shed, that's uh, our gold plus section as well. So it's... Uh, it's tough, and, uh, you know, we've communicated that with members, and the feedback's been very, very good. Uh, they understand, and we're hopeful it's just, uh, you know, just temporary uh, for now. And I suppose, look, from a marketing perspective, to, to have some exclusivity around the memberships isn't a bad thing because, you know, there is a finite number, and, you know, you, you always like to sell them quickly. Well, it's going to happen like that. It's that old FOMO, fear of missing out. So, uh, yeah, we're going to you know, be able to sort of sell out those sections very, very quickly. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've tried, you know, we understand, you know, members last year sort of, you know, unfortunately couldn't see our last few home games given the, uh, you know, we had to hub it over, over in um, Sydney. Yep. Um, so, you know, look, we've, you know, maintained prices where we're still having the, uh, Transport uh, included, um, and you know, we're giving discounts to those loyal members that uh, are renewing again. Absolutely, and some of us actually bought the ACL memberships as well. So, you know, I know that's been a, a thing for you as well. But until you knew what was going on, you couldn't offer refunds on those either. Yeah, so what we've done there is we've, you know, if someone has a normal membership, most of them have, uh, we've credited that ACL membership to their membership for, uh, for next year, for example, if they yeah. have to pay 200. We'll take the sixty bucks off those that haven't got a member membership or aren't renewing. We will refund them uh, in the next month or so until you know. You got to understand from our point of view, and you know, it's been hard with cash flows. You know, we haven't mm. been able to sell memberships, hospitality, everything. So um, I understand people are waiting for some refunds, and and just be patient; it will happen. Um, but we just need some. Just some time just to get some cash flow going and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll sort all of that very, very quickly. And politically, there's obviously something bubbling in the background which is probably um, of Palestine proportions and that is that the shed's going to be at 50% and we're just wondering how you're going to ensure that those tickets go to the singers that sit on the right-hand side of the shed. <laughs> I was going to ask that. And, <laughs> and also, Tony, uh, Hugh Bestia, sorry, uh, would there be any uh, walk-up ticket sales as well? Well, probably not in the shed, to be honest. If we sell out, we have to keep that um, that number. So um, it'll go to the people that buy a membership in the, uh, you know, in, in the shed. Um, but there will be walk-up tickets in other unreserved, you know, GA, general admission, as we call them. Mm-hmm. So we can have capacity up to 10,000 people. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm sure, you know, with our members and stuff like that, you know, not everyone will come. So we'll have... We'll have some capacity to uh, to sell tickets on on the day. And are you going to hold auditions for the shed? You know, people that actually know the words to the songs and be able to sing them. Or that does me out. <laughs> you know, because it uh, it's such a part of the game. There, uh, it is. It is. You know, they've got that old chant with the goalkeeper. Um, that's been uh, as, as, you know, as long as I can remember. Even as when I used to come here, as. Uh, you know, sort of the opposition. Um, look, the shed's fantastic, and I'm sure they'll have their own auditions and they'll do what they normally do best. 
<laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, they're a very, very good bunch of boys and quite well organised as well. So hopefully the right thing happens there. Um, you talked about the, 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 the cash flow situation. And I think, you know, one of the things that people don't see through COVID is those other things. You're talking about selling hospitality. You're talking about um, engaging um, sponsors. At the moment, with, with those COVID restrictions, and you, you talk about going into stage five, my understanding of my, my um, in, through my work and my involvement with the COVID team at state level is whilst they're going to bring those, those sorts of things in, as far as big venues like HBF go, they're, they're still talking stage three requirements, which is all that spacing with the seats, et cetera. So even if they go to stage five, they still may, you may, still may stay restricted. Yeah, look, yeah, you're possibly right. You know, I know that there was talk about um, Optus Stadium going full capacity for the uh, the derby, um, and that never happened, so they had to go to half capacity. So, look, you know, we live in, uh, unfortunately, these sort of times, so I know the government wants to be very, very sure what they uh, approve and not approve, so mm. it might be that we have to pay whole seats. So, uh, um, but, you know, we're in a better position than a, a lot of countries and a lot of states at the moment so yeah. we'll just abide by the rules and uh, and do what we can do but i suppose look from a business perspective it's about attracting those sponsorships and those uh, those hospitality packages and and how covid would affect those and then your ability to project your, your income and you know it's it's for you that's it must be a massive headache yeah, look, we've been lucky enough that uh, you know BHP have uh, signed on, um, and we're one of the first ones to sign on. With uh, you know, the government uh, through Live Lighter campaign, um, have agreed to uh, you know become sponsors again. Telstra are there, so we've got a few sponsors on board. Um, you know, with corporate hospitality, you know we might not be able to fill you know, for example, some of the rooms, but there'll be still some availability that we can sell and, and you know get some cash in and. Hopefully, um, lessen the pain for uh, for our owner Tony Sage, who, mm. as you know, puts in a lot of money every he year. He sure does. Yep. Yeah. And are we able to get um, you know the face masks with Perth Glory on them and that <laughs> sort of thing from the, the the souvenir shop? Yeah, well, they're for sale already. We've got them. I've Marvelous. Got, uh, I wore one on the, I wore one on the plane the whole way from uh, Perth to Melbourne. So, yes. uh, yep. No, they're there and. Uh, our boys will be wearing them uh, at the uh, Asian Cup. I'd, I'd like to see a variation with, with Castro's mouth and chin on them. So, you, could, <laughs> you know, it'd be great to see a, a whole crowd of Castro's there. It'd be intimidating. Yeah, it would be. The <laughs> oppositions uh, can only handle one of them. Imagine if you've got... Uh, they can't handle one of them. That's the point. Um, <laughs> um, now the ACL, you, you mentioned. I mentioned that the boys are supposed to be flying out on Saturday. You, you, you're saying that that's possibly not the case. Well, um, I need to get an exemption. We've done all the work. You know, the squad sort of you know, nearly you know, being finalised. Uh, I've got to work with the WA Health now to allow us to come back, and that's the issue at the moment. Is uh, trying to get that exemption. Um, to get our team back uh, from Qatar yeah. uh, as a group because we have quotas uh, in terms of how many can and can't come back um, and I'm seeking an exemption. And uh, as of now, I don't have that exemption. So um, I'm hopeful that by Monday, Tuesday, um, I can uh, get that exemption and uh, and we can all travel. But it's been very, very difficult to uh to find, first of all, the right person yep. um, in uh, 
WA Health, yep. and I think I've managed to do that now, and we just need that approval that we can come back uh, all together, so not two plays at a time, and, you know, and some players are stuck there. We, we can't have that. Um, Absolutely not. And, and uh, you know, then when we come back, we, we know that we have to quarantine in a, in a hotel. That's not a problem. Um, uh, you know, we'll... It'll impact a little bit of our fitness, but we'll, we'll make sure that uh, the boys stay active uh, during those two weeks of uh, hotel isolation. I suppose from a, a pre-season perspective, it's actually a, a great pre-season against quality opposition. And if you're able to go into the latter rounds, um, you know, even better. But then the, the downside of that is isolation over Christmas. Yeah, I mean, if we said to our players, uh, we're going to uh, Qatar for a pre-season camp. Um, you're going to be playing, you know, five games against Shanghai Xinhua, FC Tokyo, uh, All Sun, um, you know, staying at, uh, you know, magnificent hotels, uh, training at World Cup facilities, stadia of World Cup standards, uh, where they'll be playing the World Cup. You know, it'd be great, but you know, unfortunately, uh, that's not the case, you know. But uh, look, the boys are ready for it. They're, they've been training hard. Um, they know that, uh, you know, first game's coming up against uh, Shanghai Shenhua on the 18th of November. Um, but as you said, we'll be travelling on uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, a few days before uh, our first game, we'll, we'll get there and uh, it'll all be live on, on Fox Sports as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. If you hadn't cancelled your Fox Sports because of the, the woeful support they'd given us, but yeah, um, that's another story. Yeah, that's a completely different story. Uh, it looked, it sounds really great. I think the on the the men's side of it, there's been some fantastic uh, signings. Um, I see uh, Andy Keogh is is now Aussie Andy, which is brilliant. Um, and uh, some of the youth players coming through. We we've spoken about Giordano Colli winning the gold medal. Um, is he going to fall apart? Yeah, Giordano. Giordano. It's easy for you to say. No, no, no. Giordano. Giordano. Yeah, okay. See. Si. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my 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 Irish Celtic tongue don't get around that one. <laughs> but um right. I, I, I players like him obviously he's got to be a standout. Are, are they being considered for the, the squad going forward? Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, we need to top up with uh with youth. Um and uh, it's going to give some of these boys a, a fantastic opportunity to play Champions League, you know, train with the Fonerolli and the Castros, uh, you know, in the group, the Kilkenny's, um, and be part of a, a first-team environment. So, you know, Jordano won the uh, MPL uh, medal as well. Um, so, look, he's a quality player, and there's others uh, that are being considered as uh, as we speak. And I know that Richie, is, uh, Richie Garcia is, uh, you know, looking at everyone there so uh, there could be some uh, you know great uh, additions from the, our NPL team to the uh, to the squad and would there be any more signings big signings or marquee players coming in or is that we're done with with overseas players uh no 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 i wouldn't say marquees because we've uh, you know got Bruno yeah. and Diego but uh yeah we've got a couple of uh, little ones up our sleeve we're just uh, trying to finalize it all yeah but, um yeah um, you know, we've got to we've got to top up uh, a couple of players or two or three players. So, um, yeah, over the next uh, you know few weeks, hopefully we can uh, add to the squad.
And whilst we're talking about topping up players, um, there's a lot of concern out there for the the guys that follow the uh, W League side. Yeah. Since since Bobby's resigned, um, we've lost some key players in um, Kim Carroll. Letitia McKenna and um, Morgan. Morgan Aquino. And yeah. uh, we'd, we'd hate to see us losing more. I mean, there's three really good quality players. One one former Matilda, two up and coming. Yep. Um, and is it is keep, it going to be a movement on, a, on well. a coach and, and a team? Uh, look, the issue why they did leave was um, uh, we didn't know probably till a few days ago whether we would have a team in the W League given the borders because... Uh, unlike the uh, A-League players where we could probably hub, uh, we couldn't hub a, a W-League team over okay. uh, yeah. over East. No. Um, so, you know, understandable that those players decided to, you know, take offers. Um, but, uh, you know, over last Friday when it was announced that uh, we would open borders up to uh, South Australia, to, to Queensland, uh, that gave us a bit of a green light. So, you know, I spoke to all the players, uh, w League players from last year um, during the week, uh, and assured them that we will have a team. Uh, we're in the you know, midst of now putting the, the team together. Hopefully, they'll start training um, next week, and uh, and we'll probably be in a position to appoint a coach within probably the next seven to ten days. So uh, it's all on track, but you know, I, you know, it was uh, looking pretty dicey there for a while. So, Tony, do you still believe that the um, the hub option for the W League is high on FFA's priority or, or not? No, no, look, we, we couldn't because a lot of the uh, players, you know, got school or they're yeah. working. Um, I so, mean, that, that, that'd no, be no. league-wide, so you, you are yeah. hopeful for a home and away uh, in the W League in particular? Yes, we are. Same with the A League. So, you know, we could uh, play, you know, Queensland, we could play Adelaide home and then go away and that'll take us to the end of January and we're hopeful by the, uh, you know, by the end of January that all the borders are open and we can uh, finish the uh, home and away season. So would you think maybe it's likely to be uh, back-to-back away games and then back-to-back home games, that sort of uh, a system? Yeah, probably for the first uh, four or five rounds, yeah, um, which is, uh, you know, it'll be very similar, I suppose, for the uh, A-League as well until... Right. Victoria New South Wales opens up. Okay. Now, with, with, with that in mind, uh, Tony, in your previous roles with uh, Wellington Phoenix, how do you see them uh, coming along, particularly with their their thought process of, of entering a W League side as well? Yeah, um, that's sort of been discussed. They're going to be based over in Wollongong, mm-hmm. um, Hubbard there. So a lot of their players are basically, instead of you know uh, living in uh, Wellington, will be living in Wollongong. So... Um, <laughs> Oh, look, they've been you know, part of the league for a long time, and uh, I know the owners who, you know, effectively running the league now are keen to keep uh, Wellington uh, in uh, in the A League. Um, and there's yeah, there's discussion around a, a W League side as well. But not likely to be this season. Well, obviously, it won't be this season. But um, you would think that that would be next season, possibly. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not privy to those conversations. Right. To be okay. Honest. Um, um, just just fishing for information uh, there, mate. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure what uh, what's been spoken about um, uh, at, at the moment. But the likelihood that they won't be entering the W League side this season, I don't know. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, look, I think it's, it's 
from a, a footballing perspective, I think it would be great if we had those um, teams involved. If every A-League team had a W-League team, that would be brilliant. Um, but then that would also mean we'd have to have a team in Canberra, which wouldn't be a bad thing either. Um, well, we do have it. Yeah, we've got a team in Canberra, as yeah. you know, the W-League team. Um, Not an A-League team, but, no. Yeah. No, no, no. That's right. And who knows, down the track, uh, you know, we need to expand. You know, we've got uh, 12 teams this year and hopefully... In the next few years, we can get to 14 teams. But you're right, definitely every and I, and every A League club wants to have a W League team. There's no, I know that West United would like to have a W League team. I know that uh, eventually Macarthur would, and I know Central Coast have been pushing for a W League team uh, as well. So, you know, we can get to that point where we have, uh, you know, maybe 14 W League teams and play, you know, home and away as, you know, as well, and yeah. uh, and have a, a lot more rounds. So. Fantastic. Absolutely. And we, we touched briefly on a coach. Um, now, Bobby's been been terrific for the, for the years that he was there and appreciate his service. <clears throat> uh, are we looking locally? Are we looking overseas? Are we looking anywhere? And for players, I would imagine our chances of recruiting from overseas, are, Neil would be optimistic. Yeah, talking about, look, from a coach point of view, I'm, I'm always a big supporter of local talent, whether it's, you know, local WA first and um, you know, around the, uh, Australia. Um, and, and same with players. It's going to be very, very difficult to get overseas players given, you know, the, I suppose the COVID situation, they've got a hotel quarantine and, and, and so forth. So, uh, and a lot of our Matildas have now gone and playing in, in Europe. Um, so, but you know, then again, it gives everyone maybe didn't play W League to play W League, and um, let's see how it sort of develops over the season. And I suppose that's why when you're looking at a coach, I mean, a lot of people are thrown up uh, Coiny, but I think you know he's obviously with your under twenty threes and and the the boys development side. Are you, would you be looking for a proven developer of young women um, and someone that's been involved in, in the development of female players exclusively and it, maybe even a female? Uh, yeah, exactly. I know Coiny, Coiny's going to have enough on his plate to look after our under-20s so, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and be involved in that side of the development. But no, you're exactly right. If we can find someone who ticks all those boxes... Um, then uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to help uh, develop our, our team and bring you know new new faces uh, that may haven't been there before. Yeah, and look, at the, and the development of of young girls and, and young women is very different to to the the boys' pathway, and the the mechanisms and the, the skills that you need to have are completely different. Um, and it'd just be nice to see that, that we were leading the way, not only developing local talent as players, but local talent as coaches, and that there are some very very well credentialed women out there. Uh, yeah, look, exactly, and that's what we'll be doing over the next. Uh, Seven to ten days is just going through all the CVs that have been sent in, and um, you know, we're going to make sure we we, you know, we pick the best credential coach to uh, help uh, our W League team. Absolutely. Tony, it's been fantastic having you on. You've been very open and, and um, very good in the way you've answered your questions. Um, I think, you know, you've got a massive job ahead of you, not just this year, but next year. And I think the, the, the whole game is going to be um, massively affected by the shadow of COVID. So uh, appreciate what you're doing and, you know, the, the fact that it's impacted on your family life as well. So thank you very much for being on. 
No, no problems. Anytime, guys. It's uh, you know, it's good to uh, you know have that opportunity to sort of have a frank discussion, and that's that's. I, I like to operate like that. Be honest and open, and uh, you know, make sure that everyone understands the situation we're in. But yep. you know, I think things. Uh, I'm, I'm a I can't believe it that things are on the up at the moment. So we just got to ride it out and um, and be positive. And um, I think uh, you know we're going to have a, a good season both in the W League and uh, A League. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Tony. Best of luck in no. Qatar. Thank you. Okay, that was Tony Pinata, who is the CEO of Perth Glory, um, and hopefully some good news there. You for... never have to think what's going on, do you? He, he'll let you know. Yeah. Well, look, it, I think for for most Glory fans, whilst we were all fairly settled with what the, the, was going on with the boys, um, the the W League, particularly when every other league, every other team has ins and outs and players yep. signed and coaches and everything else, and there we are going poof. But you know. The rationale behind it was he did not know if we were going to a hub. No, no. And we, um, we've been discussing that uh, a few times, particularly with, with Penny, whether that was going to be the, the situation. And with the, with the W League being the model that it is, it was always going to be almost impossible to, to achieve. So to yeah. see, you know, maybe two, three away games and two, three home games. So it's almost like a mini hub type situation where it would be rotating uh, the away side being in Perth. So we'd probably, you know, play Adelaide, Sydney, maybe yeah. one of the Melbourne sides, and then off they would go to, to do the same thing uh, interstate. And as much as people were talking about a name like Coyne taking on the women, I think he's right that with the 23s, right. he's, he's got, got his work cut out, you know. So, yeah, and, and the point you made there as well that uh, there's plenty of, of – Highly qualified female coaches in this state. Oh, you look at and someone like Jacine Bonds who's been involved Jess, through, yeah, yeah. At, at, at the top of our heads yeah. uh, without even trying to trying to go further th- th- than that. I mean, Jess is in the system. Um, a logical step up. Who, who knows? I mean, we also need to think: is she is she available to take that role? We'd like to hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be a dream job. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd take it if I had the qualifications. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? Oh, I'd let you take it if you're a girl. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. No, no. Look, I, I honestly think that whilst it's it's great, we've had you know um, some couple of really good coaches in in Jamie Harmel and Bobby. Um, I think it'd be nice to see a woman running the league. I mean, um, what's the name? She went across and coached Bristol. Um, she was Jamie's assistant. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you've um, yeah. Well, anyway, look, you know, we're not going to get her. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, Bristol City—they've got your your uh, ladies' team uh, tonight. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no, tonight, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But there's there are some really good women coaches out there, and we need to be promoting, and we need to to get that across. And I think you know, yeah. This if any time to do it, this is the time to do it. If we're going to go local, let's go local all the way. Yep. And you know, let's try and set the example. There's not enough female coaches yep. out there. It was interesting that uh, Tony said that the likelihood of um, walk up ticket sales is still. A huge possibility, and that that's going to help the uh, the W League uh, immensely. I suppose when you look at it, though, the the problem you've got with uh, the big venue like HBF mm. Park is that it does have restrictions. And although we, if we go to stage five, the state government is still going to have that's stage right. three restrictions on the larger venues, which means half capacity. Yep. Now for HBF, twelve thousand. 
at HBF for the glory, not a problem. No, I don't think so. And um, well, if they got twelve thousand yeah. every week, they'd yeah, be happy. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Um, but Dorian Sage, you said that, that that somewhere around that figure is well, I won't say yeah. is, is break even point, but that's comfortable. The, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, if you if you look at Dorian, Dorian's got a different prospect because it's not the same size venue, doesn't come under the same category. No, and selling tickets to that is is a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah, and I think you probably find that as we saw with the charity match, that um, there wouldn't be too many standing room that uh, be no. more inclined to have them all in the in the grandstand. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go a break, and we'll be back after this with Dan Evans, who is now the new coach at Swan. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Triant. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Now, we're talking there about the shadow of COVID and, oh, yeah. you know, what it's done to everybody. Um, someone who is actually right now in isolation from, from COVID and I believe he's, his full-time release date is on Tuesday is, <laughs> is Dan Evans. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good. Good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. Uh, congratulations on your appointment as the Swan coach. Um, it's great that they could take you on sight unseen and, you know, without being able to talk to you in person. Um, but great great appointment for them. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very thankful for the job. I was looking to get back into first-team football and, you know, Swan's a very ambitious club. So hopefully we can have a good season. Yeah, I was just talking with Tony Pinata about the um, the women's side, and I think you were involved with, with them a fair while ago. Is is it something you'd like to do again? Uh, I mean, I've been involved with women's football on and off throughout my career, and you know, I I certainly wouldn't rule that out. Uh, I I enjoy working working with all players, and if an opportunity like that ever came up, I'd obviously have to seriously consider it. But but I guess right now I'm. I'm focused on the Swan job. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you've been over in America for about two and a half years. Um, yeah. How's that experience been for you? 
it's the second time I've been over. I, I, I was coaching, I, I had a year back in Australia, but prior to that I was coaching for two years as well. So I, I guess I've been there for about, you know, four and a half out of the last six years. Um, and I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a developing game over there. There's a, there's a lot of similarities between the state of play in Australia and the state of play in America. But I was fortunate to work for uh, a really good club in, in Pace at a soccer club, and, and they're based in, in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, and then I also did a bit of work for Toledo Villa, which was the semi-pro team. Uh, and then I was assistant coach at Lords University, which was a women's team. So I kept myself busy, and um, yeah, I, I, I certainly feel I'm better for the experience. So, just going back, they're all full-time appointments, so you're living the dream, you're getting paid full-time to, to be involved in football. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think that one of the main, you know, I mentioned there's a lot of similarities, but one of the main differences in the US to Australia is just how much of a business it is over there. So, you know, our club of, I think, seven, 800 members, which is, is smaller than clubs I've been involved in, you know, having been involved at Melville in Perth. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we had six full-time staff members. So, you know, it from a business perspective, you know, it taught me a lot. And and there's a lot of things that they do uh, in that regard that I'd like to see implemented in in Australia. So, so what sort of things do they do? I mean, obviously, if, if someone like Mum had six full-time professional coaches or staff as working for them, it'd be a very different perspective. And then, you know, frightening to think what Perth could do with that. Yeah, you know, I think um, one thing that certainly our club did and, and a lot of the clubs do is we, we had the capability to host our own tournament. And, you know, there's 100-plus teams that come to the tournament, which was on Memorial Day in, in Toledo. Uh, you know, and that, that's a massive fundraiser for the club. Uh, on top of that, it's, it's really 12-month programming. So uh, the kids or parents, I should say, I guess, pay... 12 months of service uh, the training is three times a week plus one or two games on the weekend so you know I, I, I think there's they, 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 they can offer more uh, because of the environment that they're in I, I guess the challenging thing with running tournaments in Western Australia is a lot of clubs don't have access to their ground for 12 months a year uh, and then the other thing is you know playing in the, in the height of summer over here is not the easiest thing either so you know, I guess there's, there's probably some things that they do that probably aren't possible for us, um, but certainly in the way that they engage the community and engage the members, um, you know, attract sponsors, that sort of thing, you know, that, that that's something I feel that we could probably improve on in, in, in Australia. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we talked before the show here and I about the the, the similarities in, in that soccer isn't the key sport. You've got American football, baseball, basketball, and probably lacrosse that before you get to football. Well, I forget, ice hockey as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's similar in that I, I believe I read somewhere that it's actually the most participated sport at youth level, but there's such a, a huge dropout as kids you know, get into high school, and then again, as kids get into college. Uh, so, and, and you know, in, in Australia, we I think, I'm pretty sure we're the number one participated sport here as well. Yep. But there's that that big drop off between junior and seniors. So, you know, in, in that regard, it's, it's, it's similar. It's, it's not the national sport. There's 
there's a lot of other options there. Uh, the the MLS kind of like the A League doesn't have that reputation that say the English Premier League does. So uh, you know a, a lot of youth players that play the game they won't go watch an MLS game. They'll finish their soccer game and then they'll they'll go watch you know the New England Patriots play or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities there, but but um, as I, as I mentioned, it's been a great experience for me, and hopefully I can take some of the things I've learnt there and, and put them into practice here. So what are the fee structures like in for, for junior football and then seniors? Um, for, for the youth, it, it's pretty similar. I mean, if, if, you know, I've been away for a few years, but but I I would imagine MPL fees are kind of similar to the fees that, that American kids play. Uh, there's, there's often add-ons to that, so, you know, they'll, they'll pay additional for, for clinics and camps and that sort of thing. Um, but the club I was at, you know, you could pay a one-off fee or, or you, you could sort of get it direct debited every, every fortnight or every month, whatever the case was. So um, they had options in that regard, but, but I think financially it's pretty similar. Um, I felt that the service that they were able to offer in the state, you know, probably exceeds what we can offer in Australia and, and in the in the MPL type setup. Yeah. And and facilities wise, what what sort of facilities were the, the clubs or do the clubs have? So the club I was at, we had and because I was in the Midwest, so obviously the, the, the winters are quite bleak, which I wasn't a big fan of. <laughs> uh, but uh, we had our own indoor centre, which the twelves and below could play on. It was about a you know a three quarter size field, uh, but then we had access and I think had shares in a in a massive dome, uh, which is sort of how I can best describe it. You know they've got two or three full time uh, full size pitches, I should say, in these sort of big sort of dome bubble shaped buildings, because really in winter in in where I was, you know you can't. You know, it's minus 20 and it's snowing. You really can't be outdoors. So uh, due to that, they build these facilities. And, 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 yeah, we had access access to that right throughout the winter. So, you know, you can still train three times a week. And then, as I mentioned, you know, have one or two games on the weekend. Uh, there's, there's just probably more football played over there than, than we play. You know, we play our 22 games, whatever it is. We train twice a week. But over there, it really is. You know, full time. It's, it's it's twelve months of the year, and and I think as a result, you know, the the service that that we're we we're offering in the states is probably just a little bit advanced of what we're currently offering in Australia. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know the the facilities when you talk about indoor during the winter, um, it's the inverse of what we would need to do with the summer. Because, um, like you yeah. said, running running around in forty five degrees yeah. is is not helpful. Um, no. The the women's football in America has some some credibility and has some. Uh, oh, they're world champions, um, and the the men's side of it isn't as strong. Is is there any political reasons for that? Or is it purely because the women don't play um, the American football? I think it's it's what you just mentioned there. So obviously for the men, it's more competitive as far as they've got to compete with other sports more than the women's side of things. Uh, but then also at college level, uh, I, I forget the name of the, the act, but, but I'm pretty sure that men's and women's programs have to have the same funding. Yeah. And because because of the women's, 
women, you know, don't necessarily play American football, that sort of thing. A lot of the funding that goes into basketball, into American football for the men, goes into soccer for the women. So some of the college programs, uh, the, the women's college programs in the in the US are just phenomenal. You know, we, we, we kill for their facilities and resources in the W League, and, you know, they're... <laughs> They're just a college. So um, I think that's probably part of the reason why they're, or historically have been sort of ahead of the curve in the women's game. Yep. I was seeing that um, uh, Toledo Villa, I mean, their home field at um, St. John's, a seating capacity of yep. 3,600. So how many would you be getting at a home game? Well, I mean, surely not 3,600. You know what? We didn't. Um, we weren't particularly well supported it was it was probably the same as a as an MPL game but when we traveled we played a, a team called Detroit right. and there were 10,000 at the game wow uh, now that that Detroit team that was their last season in semi-pro football they've actually they're playing in a professional league now um, but yeah that they were extremely well supported you know the atmosphere was fantastic I mean I won't mention that we lost 6-0 no no you don't uh, need to mention that <laughs> but outside of that, uh, that was a great, a great sort of um, experience, and I think that you know that that's kind of where it could go in the states. And, and, and we were hoping with, with Toledo Villa that you know we uh, um, that, that we could sort of grow a big, big fan base and, and really sort of compete with them on some level at, yeah. at some point. But, yeah, you know, I think you could have done, but I think the, the the one thing Toledo needed to do was drop Villa off the end of it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> says the man wearing claret and blue. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't my choice necessarily. <laughs> um, the the player contract you talked about the semi pro leagues and um, how does that compare with with the the state league or the the MPL here? Um, you know, it's one. Yeah, of, it, it, it's very different because. The semi-pro, they call it semi-pro, but really all of your players or the majority of your players come from college rosters. Yeah. And as a result, the semi-pro season is only a three-month season and it's played in the college off-season. So, you, you know, you, you're training three times a week, you're playing one or two games a week, but it's a very condensed season. Um, and if you've got college players on your roster, which most of the semi-pro clubs do, then you're not allowed to pay them. But what you can do, of course, is you can provide them with houses, you know, meal allowances. You can pay them to do coaching. So clubs get a, get a, get around it. Uh, but it's but it's very sort of different. Whereas you know, in 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 Australia, your semi pro season, you know, is really ten months of the year when you're taking into account pre season. But it's uh, in, in the states, much more condensed. And and what are the player pathways like? So from transitioning from a junior, is it is it mainly through educational facilities like schools and colleges, or is it um, clubs? Uh, so it, it, there's kind of like two or three different strands you can go on. I think the one of the challenges in the US is that they've got so many different associations, which is kind of where we were 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, but they've got so many different associations that you can kind of lose players system and, and not have the best players playing in the same team. And I know I, I did a bit of work with the Olympic Development Program and certain clubs wouldn't let their players participate in it and it's kind of like an NTC if you like. Uh, so we weren't 
necessarily getting the best players, which is disappointing for what you know should be a, a, a strong development pathway. So, uh, so I guess the clubs have got a lot of responsibility. I think a lot of players and parents have the idea that their kids are going to play in college, but they don't necessarily look too far beyond that. Uh, and I think the college system's another double-edged sword. I think it's great, you know, to play, get an education and play. So if it doesn't work out, obviously you've got something to fall back on. But then from a professional level, colleges probably hold on to players until they're too old for what the professional clubs want. So, you know, that's kind of a double-edged sword. There's, there's positives and negatives within that system. Yeah. So with the... Um the, the overlap of associations. Do you see the US uh, National Premier League uh, Soccer League being the, 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 the premier, as it as the name suggests, uh, association that will take over, or do you still see this um, the, the, these factions of various uh, associations because of the size of the country uh, still having that yeah. um, independence of one part of the country doing one thing and another part of the country doing another thing? I think it's, it, it, you know, it's going to be difficult to combine and just have sort of one one governing body. Uh, I know with the United States Football Federation, they previously had a competition called the Development Academy, which is just folded, and they were running that competition in the same sort of way that, that I guess, indirectly the FFA runs the MPL. Um, and then there's another competition called the Elite Clubs National League, which is what my, my club was in. Right. Uh, and they sort of have regional regional uh, based leagues that you participate in. So sometimes you're travelling four hours on a weekend, if not more, to play a game, you know. So there's there's a lot of additional costs for families. I mean, you know, you've got to put, a, put players up in hotels you know, every two or three weeks, whatever the case may be. So, so um, you know, they've got challenges. They have the, the, the geographical challenge there that we do. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, the system in Australia with the FFA and then the, the member federation is now much more streamlined than it is in the US. Right. Do you, do you see that um, hopefully uh, becoming more streamlined in the US or, or, or not? Uh, I, I don't think so. Right. Uh, certainly not in the short term, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of the, the decision makers, unfortunately. No, no, of course not. No, I'm just having a, a, a quick check and, like, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, the United yeah. States Adult Soccer Association. I'm seeing the, the, the NSPL. I'm seeing all sorts of associations popping up. And I think, holy, yeah. how, how, how do you get a, 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 an organised development pathway sorted? Yeah. I mean, look, it, it took me four years of going back and forth <laughs> over there just to work out what all the acronyms were. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, they, they've got their challenges, but, uh, but you know, um, I think by pure weight of numbers, you know, with the, with the amount of people in the country, uh, they've got a sort of leg up on us from that perspective, you know, as I said, purely because of the weight of numbers. But I think if they, if, if their associations were more streamlined and, and, and they were, there was a bit more cohesion, and I think, you know, they could, they could produce even better players. So, from a, a local perspective, though, what would you say to a local player, you know, a kid 16, 15, or who was being scouted by one of these colleges, or to a coach that that wants to develop, is, is going across to America going to do that for you? I mean, two different answers. I guess from a player's perspective, if, if they're probably not good enough to play professional, my recommendation would definitely be at least consider options in the U.S. from a college perspective. 
I mean, if you can get a college scholarship and have your education paid for or part of your education paid for and also play it at a, at a reasonable level, uh, then I think that's worth considering. And, of course, when you're done, you can always come back and play in the MPL or the State League tier. Yep. Um, from a coach's perspective, you know, and I've, I've worked full-time in Australia and the US, I think in the US there's just more, well, there's more opportunity because there's more jobs, but also there's more financial security as well. Uh, so, you know, definitely if you're a, a young coach considering, you know, what options there are full-time, my suggestion would be, you know, always get as qualified as you can and then, you know, look at what options you've got. And I, I, I think there's definitely more options in the US. The, the only challenging thing is uh, getting a visa or, or, or sort of getting sponsored to go over there. And, and, and I'm lucky in that regard because I'm a resident. Uh, so I, I, I didn't have to go through sponsorship to work over there, which, which I guess would be a barrier for, for a lot of other people. Yeah. So you, you think if someone was uh, an up and aspiring professional, that's not um, a, a viable means of achieving that? What, to go over to the US? Yeah. I mean, no, I wouldn't say that it's not viable. I, I, I just think um, there's, you know, there's probably as many opportunities for players, maybe not quite as many, but, you know, the, the similarity for players trying to make it professional is, is, is you know, is, is what it is in both countries. But I, I think if you can go through the college system, you know, and then see what your options are after that, I think that's, that's certainly something that, you know, consider as a player and I think if I had my time again I got offered a, I got offered a scholarship to one of the colleges in the state I was still playing state league in WA and I, I thought no no I'll, I'll stick where I was of course I then had to pay for my degree yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas if I'd gone to the state for three years or whatever it was then you know maybe that would have been the financially anyway the smarter way of doing it and I suppose look from another perspective is becoming quite prevalent here is the sports sciences there's a lot more clubs investing in the the physios and the sports um psychologists and physiotherapy and all those other things where the the care for the player and and i know your career was cut short by injury um are those sorts of things that are really prevalent in the states uh i think so yeah uh you know that from a sports science perspective, you know, if, if you were looking at studying sports science and not necessarily, you know, football specific, but, you know, there's so many options in, in the States. You know, you look at American football driven by sports science. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as you've already mentioned, you've got all the other codes there. So, you know, I think there's, there's more opportunities for that. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I think we, we're sort of developing that we don't have quite have the same resources over here. Um, but you know, as you mentioned, I think even the MPL and state league clubs now are looking at looking more seriously at sports science. Certainly, than you know, I haven't played for ten, eleven years, but but certainly now it's it's much more prevalent than it was, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, look, and there's there's more and more players. You see them in training and and during games now wearing the GPS vests and yeah. other yeah. things. So that's you know, it, again, it's all part of that professionalisation of the game. Um, given your unique yeah. perspective, you you've coached. Um, young girls, young boys, um, grown men, grown women. Um, do you see that there's – it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, is it? There's there's two very different approaches needed, f- physiologically I mean, and the, mentally. Yeah. I mean, the, the most important thing is you've got to be relevant. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you've got to be relevant to your environment. But I've seen very good senior coaches not be able to translate that to youth coaching and, and I've at the same time seen – 
really good development coaches, you know, struggle maintaining a dressing room, you know, at, at sort of the semi-pro level. So uh, maybe you have to go go about things a little bit differently in your approach. But I think the most important thing is that you've, you've got to be relevant. You've got to be specific to what the group of players you're working with needs at that time. Yeah, yeah no, fair enough. Yeah. It is fair enough. Um, all right, so, uh, look, your, your American experience, obviously, with what's going on around you, you said you're a resident, so um, you've obviously yep. cast your vote, and I won't ask you <laughs> who you, you pick for. But how do you see that, that landscape panning out in America? I mean, most of us just see what's on the news. You've lived there. You, you've had the experience of some of the build-up and the, 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 uh, the polarised opinions there are on both candidates. I mean, firstly, I wasn't allowed to vote because only citizens can vote, so residents can't. So oh. whatever your whatever your persuasion, are, you can't blame me for the. Earth, <laughs> the earth, I'm still going to blame you, Dan. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know what? Well, I, I I guess the country's quite diverse depending on what state you're in. Um, so definitely, when I was in Ohio, I had a different feel to sort of New Jersey or Massachusetts, where I've been before. Um, but uh, you know, I think in the last sort of six months that I was there. I really noticed a change, sort of culturally, in in, in you know, in, in, in I guess just the, the way everyone was sort of interacting with each other. It, it, it you know, I, I love the country. I'm very, very thankful for the opportunities I've had there. Uh, but definitely in the last six months, you know, I, I didn't really get such a a great vibe of the place. You know, there's a, a lot of divisions at the moment, and you know, if anyone following the election, you can see that. But then, of course. With the Black Lives Matter movement, that was another one, and then with with, with COVID being as, as sort of rampant as it is over there, um, it's it's probably not the nicest place to be at the moment. And you know, I don't mean that disrespectfully. As I mentioned, you know, I, I love the country, uh, but I definitely noticed in the last six months a little bit of a change for the worst. But but I think you know, countries go through good and bad times, and, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure they'll they'll, uh, they'll they'll recover from it. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of speculation about what would happen. I'm just interested to, to hear the opinion of someone that's lived there. Yeah. Now, you, yeah. you, you're coming back to Swan. You you've, you know Swan. You, you know a lot of the guys there like uh, Paul Dundo, Ben Kelly and, and um, all the other Penny and them that are there. Um, yeah. But the club yourself and the competition—you've been out of that for a while. What's what's your um, your plan? You're gonna just um, see how it all is and and just try and recruit some players, or you're gonna do what you have? Yeah, I mean, I think a bit of both. So I've Paul Dundo still staying on as an assistant, and obviously you know Paul well, and, and I've known Paul for years. Uh, we're trying to get another ex Ashfield assistant to help us out too, without mentioning any names. <laughs> you know, we're, trying, we're trying to get the old band back together. Uh, so, There's always one more gig. Uh, yeah, I've just been, you know, securing coaches. We've, we've just appointed John Warrington as the uh, under-18 coach. Uh, and John, in the last few years, has been Rockingham, Armadale and Bayswater TD. And, you know, he's an experienced guy. So we know that we need a lot of work with, with the under-18. We've got youth teams up to U14, but we don't go beyond that. So for the next couple of seasons, it's going to be more challenging, of course, to get a U18 squad together. So, you know, I guess we're investing a lot of time and energy in that. And then from a first-team perspective, uh, I know they struggled a bit last season. Um, so, you know, we'd like to build on that and, and, and hopefully improve the players that we've got. But at the same time, 
definitely looking at bringing a couple of guys in to strengthen the squad, guys with, with a bit of experience. And, and you know, I, I won't mention any names, but, but I'm speaking to a few at the moment. So hopefully we can get them to come down and, and, and you know, hopefully we start climbing the table and have a good 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think it's great you're using your time in isolation to to get your your, your new gig up and running. At least it keeps you you occupied because I know you're someone that doesn't like <laughs> sitting around doing so at all. So uh, good to no, hear that you, right, you're yeah. keeping yourself busy. Yeah, no, that's true. You've got to keep yourself busy. Otherwise, uh, yeah, the, the, the minutes move very slowly. Yeah, no, look, it's great to have you back in the country, Dan. Looking forward to catching up with you. Um, and, you know, all the best with Swan for the, for the oncoming season. And thanks for being on today. Uh, anytime, guys. Thank you. And uh, good luck to yourself uh, for your Ashfield uh, commitments this season as well. Yeah, no worries, mate. Cheers. All right. Thanks. Uh, mate. So, Dan Evans, good to have him back in the country. Very well-credentialed coach. Oh, yeah. I think he's got an A licence. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate that... He's, he is coming back and he'll be an asset to Swan. Let's hope he, uh, he stays for uh, enough time to, to see that project through. Oh, look, at well, Dan is ill. He's, he's a roaming guy. So, you know. yeah. but, but we talked about, I mean, he's had a lot of interactions with, with Glory in the yep. past. Yep, he's that's he's right. coached there. He's coached the girls. Yep. Well, I think he was an assistant coach. So, you know, he's got the experience. Um, and I think, you know, with those experiences of, of the US behind him um, and some stuff he talks about the business of the of the game it, we've always run the clubs here as if they're just a club and we've relied yeah. on, on the generous benefactor model what people need to get into their mindsets now is these are businesses I mean uh, mm. a small club has a turnover of just under $200,000 if you're in a bigger club um, and you mentioned mum before with, you know, something like 1,200 members, yeah. then you're well over the $250,000 yep. turnover per year. These are businesses. There, there's lots of money moving around. There's all these questions about player payments, et cetera. But professionalisation of the game is, is key to the development of the game. Well, that's right. And Dan's uh, been at the coalface there. I mean, yeah. 10,000 at an NPL game. I mean, come on, that, that that's amazing. I know. And we've got to ask him about what the quality of referees are like. You know, do, well, do they have, I mean, do they have we've a really seen good... the MLS and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have a go at, at, at any particular association, but the uh, the US have their own particular style of refereeing and it works for them. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's... What, what brand are you trying to promote? I know, but I mean, we we were discussing off air about the uh, the Copa Libertadores and yeah. some of the challenges flying in there. I mean, oh my goodness, leg breakers! It's like, I know. Um, I, we'll just have a chat. It's like, surely that guy's going to walk. I can't wait to have a conversation with you about the VAR and and the Premier League. I mean, some of those challenges, you, you've got Harry Maguire with both arms around the guy's head, yep. and and that's not a pen. Um, well, I mean, Jordan, was it? Pickford on uh, on Van Dyke. I mean, how he. I mean, that wasn't even a free kick. Okay, well, no, be, <laughs> no, no, but but the whistle had already been blown yeah. from being offside. Yeah. So, well, so that's you're a referee. But did he blow the whistle for the offside decision? I don't think he did. Well, he blew the whistle. Uh, I, I thought, having yeah. seen that game live, I thought he blew the whistle to give the penalty. Yeah, but you're a referee. You always get it wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true <laughs> enough. But but he, he actually got, with VAR, he, he got yeah. the get-out-of-jail-free card by going, oh, I don't really want to send him off. I mean, that was, what, the third minute of the game? No, that, that was a that was a, a send-off. I, I'm, like I said. Irrespective I, I, of where the whistle yeah, had blown. Yep, and yep. I, I, if the whistle was given for him being offside, you go, fair enough, he was offside. But that challenge was reckless and dangerous. You're off. Oh, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 
It's not leg, leg break. And it's, it's not, it's not a, nowhere it's not near a, the ball. It's not a penalty because the offside happened before the challenge, but the challenge itself was... Yeah, but again, I mean, yeah. I know it's a couple of weeks ago now, but um, he, he didn't blow for the offside. He nah. he got the get out of jail free card and went oh look you you know the, you know the narrative so the referees blow the whistle and then they make the truth up afterwards <laughs> <laughs> not all the time <laughs> all right we're going through some messages we'll continue this argument whilst the ads are going on we back up back up these with Adam Nankin. Football first is about to be quenched. A lot of excitement around the start of this season, and what a fixture straight up. Wanderers about to say goodbye to the Olympic Park precinct, and they can't wait to be hot footed back to Parramatta. How good is the Melbourne Derby? This should be an absolute cracker. I'm excited uh, for start the season new experience. I'm happy. I love playing here uh, and I'm going to love managing here as well. The attitude and the, the ambition of everyone's been first class. The games, you can't go quick enough for me. How about that for a finish? 45 meetings between these two. The tone was set, wasn't it? All the way back, even before season one. And they've been going at it pretty hard ever since. The stage is set for the 21st Sydney Derby. A special night for the A-League. Fabio went low, it's gone in! Sydney FC is the biggest club in, in the country, and I'm just very, very excited to be here. If the Melbourne Cup is the race that stops the nation, and this is the game that spikes the football traffic in the nation's two biggest cities. There is nothing quite like the Big Blue. The expectation <laughs> of winning football games and winning trophies became very clear to me very fast that this is where I wanted to be. <laughs> this original rivalry, always a keenly contested affair. There's nothing quite like this fixture. It's an honour for, for us as coaches to work for this kind of club. I'm very thankful for this chance. He rises nicely and steers the ball down and into the back of the net. Wonderful setting, sellout crowd, two best teams in the country. What an occasion we have. They score this one and they are the champions. Sydney FC are the champions of Australia. Oh, it's coming back. I'm excited. Oh, look. <laughs> Sorry about that, listeners. I do love that nickname, the Big yeah. Blue. My, name, my name's Sean. I'm a football addict. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hello, I'm, Sean. So I'm am I. so looking forward to being back at HBF, cheering on the boys, the atmosphere. <laughs> it's just magic and electric. And, yeah, it's been too long. And, and half of me scared because of COVID. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Well, we can always get that uh, Castro face mask and scare the opposition <laughs> I re- away. I reckon that's a seller. Oh, I'm it's a beauty. You, that's a, I get, <laughs> all the good ideas come from here, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> all right. Joining us on the line now is Adam Nankin, who is with Inclusion Solution. We're talking about the uh, Bunbury Inclusive Carnival, which is in December, but um, we'll let Adam explain who he is, what he does, and all about the Bunbury tournament. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Yeah, good and yourself, Sean. Um, thanks for the intro and, and good morning to all the listeners as well. 
Yeah, look, um, I've got the message from you about the um, the Bunbury Carnival, but I'd like to know a bit more about in Inclusion Solution and, and what you actually do and, and how soccer clubs can integrate with you to, or football clubs can integrate with you to um, be more inclusive. Yeah, sure. So um, Inclusion Solutions um, officially has really only been around since 2017, but we were previously part of the organization called Inclusion WA, um, which has a, a pedigree of about 30 years now. And essentially, the work that we do is we work uh, with the likes of local governments, state sporting associations, uh, national sporting associations more recently, um, as well as about 600 um, different grassroots clubs. And that can be sporting clubs, like football clubs. It can also be community groups. Um, and what essentially we want to ensure that we do with those clubs is build their capacity so that we are not running sport and rec or, or any programs ourselves, but rather supporting the clubs and the groups that are already running um, uh, programs and, and, and um, sports themselves, help them to essentially give more opportunities to more people. Um, and that might be people with disabilities, that might be uh, people that are new to the country, uh, seniors, youth, whatever the case may be. And, and we really want community organizations and clubs to really offer what their services are and what programs they're running to, to anyone and everyone. So we ensure that clubs are ready to do that. Excellent. And um, obviously it, inclusion is is everybody. I, I read an article recently um, from a similar organisation in the UK that were basically saying, yeah, look, uh, we're, we're all for an inclusive club and inclusive society, but right now it's okay to discriminate against the disabled. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I think uh, I, I, the one thing that I'll definitely take away from that is um, inclusion really is everybody. Yeah. And, and I think what, what the inclusion being such a buzzword that, that we'll hear often, um, especially in the sector that we work in, um, and often people might use the word inclusion um, to, to, to the detriment of what it actually is. So there's a lot of segregated programs that are running um, you know, all over the place, which um, in essence... Um, potentially do more harm to a marginalized demographic, especially when you're looking at people with disabilities. And, and in the United Reds case, um, you know, children with disabilities, there's, in the soccer landscape, there hasn't been a, a lot of integrated programs in WA that have really offered kids with disabilities um, the, the opportunity to join a club, have that sense of belonging. I know when I first, um, when I first came to, to Perth from South Africa, um, I had no friends, and, and, and the way that I integrated into, into Australia was I joined a, a soccer club, and that really became my second family. And, you know, I'm speaking to you as a, as a white male that doesn't have a disability. And yeah. You can imagine some people that have barriers, that um, not having that opportunity to, to join clubs, to join groups, really where, where you make networks and, and you make friends, but more importantly, where you have that sense of belonging within community is something that we believe every single person living in this country should have the opportunity to be able to do. I spoke recently recently to Mick Murray, who is the Minister for Sport and Recreation, and, and I talked about clubs as being community hubs, and whether you're in the metro area or in the country, um, those clubs make you or, or build your community. Like you, I came, I came from the UK, white male, went into, um, into Perth, joined a, a football club and, you know, I, I joined that with, with no friends. Some people say nothing's changed, but um, 
<laughs> but I built, I built up all of my relationships through football and through the people I played with and then the people I played against and the people I've come in contact with. And I would imagine that if I go through my friendship group, other than those that I work with, um, they're footballers. And it, it, it's how those clubs do, do develop. We have a lot of people coming into our club who are from um, refugee backgrounds. But the, the thing is that, I suppose sometimes when you talk about marginalised groups, disabled people and disabilities, it depends on, on the level of disability, but people tend to clump them all into one big group. And there's there's no reason why. And I, I spoke to you the other day, um, our under-18s, we had a, a guy who was legally blind but played for our 18s. Um, and, you know, it was a great, great thing that he was there and he wasn't playing in our 18s as a disabled player. He was playing in our 18s as an under-18s player. And and I think sometimes those, those barriers need to be removed and we need to be, as you say, that inclusive. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's um, you're exactly right. And especially when we're looking at, at inclusion as a whole, some clubs do it really well quite organically and and really understand what the, what the benefit of... Opening, opening their doors to everyone and anyone, but but essentially some clubs do need a hand, um, and especially around the education piece. You're looking at a lot of clubs that uh, I know in the United Red Star. So there was a few clubs that thought, "Geez, how are we going to do this? How are we going to start welcoming people with disabilities within our club?" And most of the time, fear is actually the major barrier for these clubs opening their doors to everyone. It's um, I think innately people are good. And I think everybody wants to, to include everyone, but, um, you know, when we're looking at the structures and how clubs are set up, uh, people are fearful of everything from insurances to, to, you know, do we need specific support, where from our experience, what people with disabilities essentially want is just to be treated like everyone else. And, and I think the clubs that are able to do that and put fear to the side are often the clubs that thrive. Absolutely. I think also the, there's a perception from someone with a disability that when you're walking into an elite sporting club that's full of all these perfect people that are all fit and and, and able that they're going to be stared at and and marginalised in that fashion. So sometimes it fears with with them. And yeah, my experience is when people are prepared to come in, they're accepted. Um, but that's just my club experience. Yeah, and um, I, I think with the with the things like the Bunbury Cup and 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 things like uh, I guess more programs and and, and more um, inclusive opportunities happening in clubs is what you're actually seeing is this development and 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 I guess clearer pathways for those elite opportunities when it does come to things like um, you know the the, the para teams or when it does yeah. come to those more elite competitions when we are looking at the disability sector as well. Yeah, when you look at uh, the the Paralympics, though, there's there's a lot of those players, people like Chris Barty, who play in in the amateur leagues, and and some of them, are, some of the guys have played in the um, the state league, and I think you know it's it's great for them that that's where they're at, but then you've got other people who are not at that level, who very self conscious about their limitations, and it's about finding teams that can accept that, and I think you know like the the social teams are, are really good. 
at bringing in people in an inclusive way. But there's other ways to be included. And, and you know, just because you've got a disability doesn't mean you can't sit on, on the, the committee of a, a club and be involved in the club and and volunteer for the club. You know, there's lots of people just need little jobs doing which are quite well within the, the bounds of someone who's aged, someone who has a disability, whether that's minor or severe. Um, there's always something somewhere someone can do. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a, a really good point, Sean, is that those clubs that, um, uh, you know, maybe cannot accommodate for an individual who, who um, you know, as an example, might be in a wheelchair and it might be quite difficult for them to participate in, you know, the, the, the soccer offerings at a club. But, you know, those more inclusive clubs do find those volunteer opportunities, whether it be on the committee, whether it be on game day, whether it be, um, you know, a variety of roles that, that clubs at any point in time always have. And, and I think that's a really good point that you bring up, Sean, is, is actually offering people choice and control about how they'd like to be involved in that sporting club, in that sporting organization, opposed to, um, you know, whatever the core activity is. Because um, many a time there's highly skilled people that um, love the sport, may not want to play it, but equally still want to be involved in the club or group. So, so it's a great point that you bring up there, Sean. In your experience, what um, what sort of help do do clubs ask for? What's what's the common themes that you you come across in your organisation? Yeah, um, you know, it's um, 2020 with the year that it was. I think. Um, I, I might answer that question in, in two parts. And I know what we really noticed prior to, to COVID happening is that the clubs that were really struggling for numbers, often their biggest, um, you know, numbers, volunteers, those sorts of things, their, their biggest barrier was normally the exposure and, and actually being out in, in community and actually allowing people to be exposed to where the club is, what the club's doing, especially those smaller clubs. Um, and those, those roles in, um, those core positions, the coaching, the team managers, often those can be filled quite quickly by parents and, and, and other volunteers. But when they aren't by the group that's playing, um, a lot of the soccer clubs have really um, struggled to, to fill those coaching positions, especially at those grassroots, non-elite levels. But now when we start looking at post-COVID, what we've really noticed is that a lot of the clubs have galvanized quite well and or because participation might have dropped a little bit, you've got a lot of the people that maybe were involved in quite um, a limited capacity really think, okay, now I've got a sense of ownership on this club. I want to make sure that this club's thriving. So it, it varies from club to club. I know the statistics were, were quite damning um, in the last in uh, McMurray's last report. I think 25% of volunteers and members had dropped off across the sporting sector um, for grassroots clubs, which is um, you know, which is not great, but when we start looking at the clubs that really have been proactive, and, and I'll use again one of the United Reds clubs that we work with, the um, Vic Park Soccer Club, they actually gained a couple teams out of the um, out of the COVID experience, and mainly because they had a great ethos. They essentially said, "Doesn't matter who you are, if you want to come have a game of soccer, we'll make sure that happens." And and it really changed the approach of of some of the grassroots clubs to say. Inclusion isn't just the right thing to do. It actually makes good economic sense. And it makes sense because the more people that you invite to your club, the more members and volunteers essentially you're going to have. Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a great thing. Now, we, you mentioned the, the Bunbury Carnival. Um, that looks like a fantastic event. That's uh, when was that, the 6th of December? 
Yeah, so that's a, a full weekend event, and um, um, I, I mustn't take the credit for that. That very much is um, Football Federation Southwest and um, a gentleman by the name of Brad Scott, who, who I know you're familiar with. Um, they contacted me, I don't know, a couple months ago now and saying, uh, traditionally there was something called the Cantoni Cup that yes. would run on uh, on a day in December. Fantastic Cup, often the uh, the men's para um, players would, would be involved and, and they'd do a few exhibition matches. And they thought, we want to do something more. Um, we want to do something that really not only gives opportunity for kids with disabilities, but also gives opportunity for kids that haven't been involved in carnival-style uh, soccer football. And I, I know when I was growing up, the, the carnivals were the, were the best fun. You've got a full day of, you know, four, five, six matches. It's a bit chaotic. It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, meeting new people. And we really thought, how can we give that experience to somebody that um, doesn't have the opportunity to do so, especially in a year like 2020? So um, we had a chat and decided to make a full weekend event. Um, the Friday, um, myself and a colleague will be running a workshop in Bunbury for all the Southwest clubs and, and any clubs listening are more than welcome to attend if you, if you want to make the drive down. And um, then we move on to the Saturday, which is the men's power players will be running coaching clinics with any and every kid that would like to come down between the ages of 8 and 13. Um, really encouraging kids with disabilities to, to come down with their families. It's um, really going to be a, an inclusive, welcoming environment for all. Um, so after those coaching clinics, there will be a, a round robin, a, a bit of a tournament happening, and that's sponsored by uh, Anderson's NDS. And that will be essentially just a big, fun carnival. Um, there'll be uh, some seeding matches, and then we'll go into some finals. And there will be a five-a-side competition. Uh, kids that come down on the day, we'll be put into teams. Uh, a few of the United Reds uh, Football League teams will be down there from Perth as well. And um, it, will, it will just be a day of fun. Um, after that, there will be a couple of exhibition matches with the Para Juniors. And, um, and then we'll end it off with the dinner. So, so that's really what the Saturday is about before the Sunday happens, which is, which is the big boys. That's, uh, we've got a, uh, the country coastal teams down there as well as the men's Para first team, so that will be really exciting, and um, I know Brad Scott in particular has put a lot of work into that, uh, into that Sunday session and, and gathering the troops, um, as well as Peter Doe from Football Federation Southwest have, uh, have really uh, done a lot of the coordinating, and I guess I'll, I'll, um, I'll just mention that the biggest reason for, besides the opportunity to be involved in, in carnival-style football, it's really that notion of you, you cannot be what you cannot see. And, and the reason I mention that is when you're seeing elite athletes with disabilities participating, at, you know, in exhibition-style matches, um, speaking to some of the parents of kids with disabilities in particular, that's, that is often the first time that they'll see, you know, that person's like me. That person has, whether it's cerebral palsy or whatever disability they might have, but really seeing that, that clear way that somebody is, participating at a high level, representing their states, and, and um, some of the kids that will be the first time they're exposed to seeing people similar to them really at, 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 um, at an elite level. And I suppose that's the, the wonderful thing about this game. It can be enjoyed at any level, irrespective of, of disability level. Um, I've interviewed a couple of guys from the um, Para Wheelchair Association, and when, when you watch the videos of them, it's, it's just so inspirational that they haven't allowed um, being 
trapped within a wheelchair stop them enjoying the game that they love. And I think, you know, the good thing about this all abilities um, coaching session is that it removes that stigma that you've got to be at a certain level. Um, come down, just enjoy yourself and, and look after. I think it's a, a great um, initiative. Um, all starts on Friday, the 4th of December. As you said, there's a carnival on, on Saturday and then on the 6th there is the uh, the Cantoni Cup final. So there's there's a lot going on down there and, and open to everybody. And I think it's it's inspirational. Um, if clubs want any advice on, on being inclusive, they can contact you. Yeah, um, of course. Um, I, I am I'm more than happy to, to share my details um, you know, either on the webpage or, or on, on the socials. Um, but yes, by all means, um, the United Reds Football League, um, as I mentioned before, is just in the process of um, the EOIs of, of expressions of interest for up to four new clubs to join the league this yep. season in, in the Perth Metro. Um, and um, so any clubs listening, by all means, if you want to look at being more inclusive, uh, really broadening your membership base and essentially having more members, volunteers, um, and, and getting a positive culture going in the club, then um, definitely look into the United Reds Football League. That's um, administered by uh, Football West in partnership with ourselves, Telethon, and the Manchester United Foundation. Um, but equally, if any clubs listening today would like to be involved in, in the Bunbury Cup in December, um, feel free to contact me. Really a great opportunity for kids that have never been exposed to that type of, 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 um, of full-day carnival. Um, clubs are welcome to nominate a team. Um, get in touch with myself, get in touch with Football Federation Southwest, and, and all are welcome. And and who needs an excuse to go to Bunbury for the weekend? <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's as good an excuse as any. And I think you know to go down there and do something you love doing is, is great. But the you know the to see the the elite Paralympians and and, and a lot of those guys that play for the for the uh, WA Paraleague are Paralympians. And um, yeah, great opportunity to to normalise what what shouldn't be marginalised. Yeah. yeah, that's a great way to put it, Sean. And and I think the more and, um, you know, we, we, uh, people are, um, programs and, 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 and events like this are being exposed on, you know, on radio stations in the local papers and all those sorts of things. The more that, um, you know, we're, we're demarginalizing, um, large populations of, uh, large, um, populations of, of our society. So I think, uh, like you say, let's, let's normalize, um, disability playing sports. Everyone should have the opportunity to do so. I think, uh, the one thing in Australia is um, is sports. Uh, uh, being a sports person, whether it's at grassroots or elite, but being a sports person is is very much a valued role, and it's a big part of Australian culture. And um, that's the way people make friends. That's the way people really connect to their community. Um, besides the the physical, mental, and, and and social benefits, it's it's really a a way of life here. So um, I encourage every single club, whether you're soccer, football, or, or otherwise. Um, just look at, at opening your, your doors to everyone and anyone. Um, if you need advice, contact Inclusion Solutions. But more importantly, if you have the right intent and um, you, you're really truly wanting to be inclusive, then, then give it a shot because we need more people doing it than less. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it should be a, a normalised way of life and, and really appreciate the work that you and, and your uh, company do. So thank you for your time this morning. Not a problem at all, Sean. And, um, yeah, I hope uh, those of you who are Liverpool fans, I hope you're tuning in because uh, there's going to be a cracker game 
on uh, Monday morning. Yeah, I'm just waiting to the minute that Salah dies for a penalty because I'm a Hammers fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, no, look, that's the wonderful thing about this game. We can banter all day long about it. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much, Adam. It. Not a problem at all. Have a great rest of the weekend. You too, mate. Adam Nankin from Inclusion Solution and something there for all of us. Um, yeah, we shouldn't see the differences and we should be embracing everybody. I think it's... Exactly right. And you can find yeah. that Inclusion Solutions, all one word, inclusionsolutions.org.au. He's got plenty of stuff out there. There's webinars, workshops and all the information you need to make sure that everybody's included anytime they want to be. Absolutely. I'm sure if Pete Skeeler's listening, whether he's listening live or on the cast... Um, Get it on the on our site, mate. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's our geek. <laughs> yeah, well, there it is. I mean, the, yeah, and the United um, Reds thing. There's what eight clubs in there now. There's another four to join. So that's yep. fantastic. No, look, it is. It's it's really good. And I think you know the COVID has, has certainly brought some opportunities. About as much as it's been detrimental in lots of areas, it's it's also been very good in bringing new opportunities for for clubs and for people. Yep. All right, we're closing in on on the the show. Um, Dan Evans reckons that the refereeing was worse in the states. Yeah, that, well, that wouldn't surprise me. It's obviously not seen you at work. So. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough as well, I suppose. Yeah, um, but look, I think we're moving forward. Um, COVID is something we've we've been very has been very well managed in this state, and, and people talk about the second wave. You know, I don't think we've had the first one really. No, not really. And, and like you say, we've been. Um, We've been diligent and we need to continue that. Um, Absolutely. Been, I think, look, Mark McGowan and his, his government uh, done a great job. I think not to be dismissive of what they have done, the the public of Western Australia have really embraced it. I know when you go out to the shops, you don't, you know, we're all shoulder to shoulder, yep. but, you know, we don't have it. So I understand that, but, yep. you know, we don't have it for a reason that everybody did the thing. And to not get too political. To it's nice to see the little bloke Clive Palmer being told, well, now you're wrong there, son. Yeah. So well, on your bike, away oh, you go. No, it's great, isn't it? And I think the other thing is when you look at it, we, we've not just avoided the COVID, the, the common cold, the flu. Yep. Has been massively reduced over this last winter. Yeah, well, and that's that's because people are doing the right thing. Yep, and I was one of those early ones uh, in April to get the the flu jab, and I'm sure I'm not the lone ranger on that. No, one. I was the same, mate. I always take, always get those things. Look, big on men's health. Um, obviously, our, our links with DT38. Um, yes. You know, you got to look after your, your own health, and it's not just about young men; it's about us older guys. We look after our health. Make sure you do all your prostate tests, and when they do the bowel cancer screening, do all of that. Do not be embarrassed about your health. It is your it's life or death decisions you're making. Yep. So yep. your health you know, is your responsibility. And whilst we're at it, if you're feeling a bit down, you know, um, people like Beyond Blue do great work. Um, talk to a mate. Um, That's right. Yep. You know, we're in November. That's right. Yep. I haven't got mine this year. Uh, my son has, so he, he's working on that. He did ask the question, is it uh, is it cheating not shaving before November? I went, absolutely it is. <laughs> yeah, no, look, you, October 31, shave. and then, That's it, and away yeah, you go. Away you go from that point on. Now, look, great thing, and I know DTA have got the grower mo for a bro, so if, it's not too late no. to get involved in that, and yep. please, please do. All right, Penny will be back in next week. I've got one more show, um, which will be in a fortnight before we're – 
on the 28th is our last one for the for this. Yep, when the band will all be in. Yeah, the whole band will be here. Um, looking forward to a bit of a break, although it's been great. It's been hard work. Uh, thank you very much for being on, Hugh. Thank you um, for having me. And thank you for listening. So Penny's back in next week. I'm back in a fortnight. The jazz show will be on after this. Thank you for listening. Oh, press that button. There you go. <laughs> Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Join us again next week. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. again next week.